Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Welcome to the Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy podcast. I'm Declan, the son. And I'm Jane, the mom. This is the podcast where we talk about brutal crimes, bizarre occurrences, and get you drunk with cocktails themed around one of our stories. To lighten things up, we'd like to end our time with a chaser. Please keep in mind some of our stories might be upsetting to young or sensitive ears. We love hearing from our listeners, so feel free to contact us by email or social media. You can find our contact info in the show notes for this episode. If you'd like to support us through Patreon, you can find us there at Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy Podcast, or use the link in our show notes. Hey there, my name is Bree. And I'm Suze. We're the hosts of Crime and Spirits, a true crime and cocktail podcast. Do you love spooky stories and all things true crime? How about themed cocktails? Do you love those too? Well, that's perfect, because so do we. Yeah, in fact, we love them so much, we made an entire podcast all about it. Every week, we bring you a new episode that covers a different case or topic of interest. But first, we'll need drinks. Don't you worry, we've got you covered there. Every week, we'll teach you how to make a handcrafted cocktail that ties into the theme or topic in some way. So you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and pretty much every other platform available. New episodes roll out every Sunday. So buckle up and sip tight. We can't wait to talk some true crime with you. Bye. So Declan, what story do you have for us today? Today I'm going to be talking about Jeff Doucette. Jeff Doucette. Okay. I think I know a little bit about this story, but I'm not entirely sure. So I guess I will find out soon enough. <laughs> you will. What are you going to be telling us about today? Well, before I get to my story and my drink, I want to tell um, everybody, just remind everybody, please feel free to go rate and review us on any of the podcasts podcast platforms but if you do so on apple we will read your review just like this one so this was a recent review that said well-researched show five stars learned a lot of new things about stories i thought i had already knew everything about keep it up and that was by case files podcast so thank you to case files podcast and if you are not familiar with their podcast definitely go give them a listen because they're really good and they like us and I like anybody who likes us. So yay. <laughs> the story that I'm going to tell you about today is um, about an interesting lake in India. And the drink that I brought for this is called the skeleton key. The reasons of this drink will become very apparent when I get into my story. So into the drink it is one and a quarter ounces of bourbon, three quarters of an ounce of elderflower liqueur, one half ounce of lemon juice, three to five ounces of ginger beer, and eight dashes of bitters. These steps are to add the bourbon, elderflower liqueur, and lemon juice to a Collins glass with ice and top with a ginger beer, then garnish with the bitters. So are you ready to try? This drink. Okay. Hmm. 
I'm trying to decide if I like it. I think the elderflower makes it a little bitter. But maybe it's the bitters. I don't know. Well, probably the bitters. Something tastes bitter and it's named bitters. It might be the bitters. <laughs> True. Good point. I got a new kind of bitters this time. And um, mm -hmm. they were red. I don't know if different mm. bitters are different colors, but this was red and kind of smelled like anise, which put me off, but I don't taste anise in the drink. So maybe it was just my imagination, but the drink's not bad. It's pretty good. I used mm. three ounces of ginger beer um, because I didn't want to water it down too much so that I could taste it. And I think that was pretty good. Three ounces was good. You can still taste the bourbon in it. So, yeah, I didn't hate I it. I can't drink with bourbon in it pretty much. So, me too, lately. So, I figured this would be a good one, but the name was perfect for the story. So imagine hiking through the mountains in search of rare herbs and stumbling across a grisly yet mysterious site. That's what happened in 1942 to a forest ranger named Hari Modwal, who stumbled across a lake high in the mountains. Obviously, other people knew that the lake was there because it's 1942, but he did not know the lake was there and he didn't know what was going on in that lake. So it was Rupkund Lake is the lake that he stumbled across. It is a clear lake that is fairly shallow at around nine feet deep and is covered in ice for most of the year. It's located over 16,000 feet above sea level in the Himalayan mountains of northern India. And I recently learned that we pronounce it Himalayan, but locals pronounce it Himalaya. Himalaya. Yes, which I had not known before. And I went, wow, I, super interesting. And I think it's interesting that you know that. How did you know that? I don't really know. I just kind of pulled that out of the eth ethereal plane. Knowledge, of the my knowledge mind. world. Yeah. Well, you yep. kicked it out of the park, man. That was a great job. <laughs> So Rupkund Lake sits in a basin located at the basis of the slopes of several mountains. It's kind of like a, a little gully kind of thing. The size of the lake varies based on the weather, but it's often about 130 feet in diameter, which nine feet deep and that 130 feet in diameter. I'm not entirely sure why it's called a lake because in the videos that I watched of it, it looked more like a pond size, but maybe no one called it a pond. It was called a lake. If I saw it just walking up, I'd be like, oh, cute little pond. Well, not cute as you're walking up and you'll find out why. Hiking to this lake takes about five days. I'm out right there. I'm not hiking anywhere that's going to take me five days to get there. But it's still a popular place for experienced hikers to visit. 
What Hari found at the lake is still a mystery to this day, even though it happened in 1942, but technological advancements have helped bring a few answers, but still not all of the answers. Do you want to know what Hari found? Yes, I do want to know what Hari found. Okay. Hari found bones. Lots and lots of human bones littered across the banks of the lake, also visible within the lake. It's estimated that the remains of 300 to 800 people are contained in or around the lake. The skeletons in the lake are only visible once the ice melts. What's that? Yeah. It's, It's weird. Well, I know, like, is this high up on the Himalayan mountains? 16,000, over 16,000 feet. I think it's like 16,500 or 400 feet. That doesn't mean anything change. to me. Is that high up? I don't know. Our hometown is a, a little under five. Okay, so it's pretty high up. Pretty high uh, up, yeah. I know, like, there's a lot of dead bodies scattered all over the the peak like the very tallest one um, oh yes they from hikers them. oh yes yeah but it's those are people that are They're just frozen people that you have to hike over while you're trying to get to the top it's like yes super yes gross. and so this I does thaw that. out though so this this lake okay. is frozen for about 11 months out of the year the best research is done during that narrow window um, because it's such a remote location. There's thin air due to the altitude. The weather is gnarly and yucky. Um, and apparently the weather sets in really, it can set in like really quick midday. So you can be walking along in the morning, clear skies, and all of a sudden noon hits and it's storming. And it's foggy and you can't see where you're going and nasty things happen weather-wise. Bones were not the only things found. They also found some wooden artifacts, leather slippers, iron spearheads, and rings. So they've found some, you know, non-human related, non-bone things. Um, Like I said, the weather turns rough. What... I have one other interjection that's not related yes. to the story at all, but okay. did you know that the Himalayan mountain range was once underwater? They found fossilized, um, like the little fossilized crustaceans that are spiral shaped. I forget what they're called, but they found those at oh. the top of the Himalayan mountains. Ooh, that's fun. Super weird, but that's a little interjection yeah. I had. It That's makes sense because we used to have a lot more water on the planet than we do now. So it would make sense. But could you imagine being the first person to find that and be like, what the, how did this get here? <laughs> yeah. That'd, That'd be freaky. Loop. Yeah, for sure. Uh, since the lake is frozen 11 months out of the year, like I said, the best research is done during the time when it's thawed. So they basically have a month. Um, 
midday is when that weather can get gnarly um, any time of the year. So the researchers that are going up to this lake to try and figure out what these, why these bones are there, why these people are there, they basically have about four hours a day to investigate the lake and take samples. And remember, they had to hike for five days before they could get there anyway. So it's not like they're just going, oh, we're going to drive to the lake. That's going to take us an hour. And then we're going to dink around for four hours. No, they had to hike there before they could just spend four hours. You said it was a five-day hike? Five days. Yeah, that's that's a lot of time to set aside. Yeah. that's probably two week trip total if because you don't want to just go up there and spend the day there and hike back you probably want to spend a couple days there while you're out there i would think so i mean especially step back because they're only getting about four hours a day where the weather is decent enough for them to collect samples so you spent five days hiking there you only get four hours a day i mean i don't know how long the this group was up there but a fairly recent um, you know, within the last couple of decades, there was a group that went up there to investigate. Upon first discovering the bones, it was initially believed the skeletons belonged to a group of Japanese soldiers who were attempting to invade the area. So Hari found mm. this lake in the 1940s. It was, um, you know, World War II was in full swing. So people were thinking why they initially, why they just jumped straight to Japanese soldiers. I'm not sure, but. Well, you said he found them and they were bones, right? He didn't find like decaying yes. bodies. Yes. So they must have had, like, they must have been super old because it gets so cold there. It's probably harder for them. to. It takes longer for them to decompose. So yes. they're probably old, way older than World War Two or. Yes. Whatever. Yep. Which was going to be my next statement that further inspection of the bones showed that these specimens were far too old to be Japanese soldiers of World War II because there were just bones. These skeletons were ancient and could not have been from recent deaths. Some have theorized that the lake sits near an old walking trade route. If a large group of traders were walking along this route and came upon sudden harsh weather like a blizzard, remember, weather turns shitty midday, they got blue skies in the morning, and then all of a sudden it's nasty, they would have no shelter and could have just died quickly from exposure. So that was another theory. However, Skeptics of this theory argue that trading through this region typically occurred with pack animals like donkeys and sheep and things like that, um, that would have been found. So not only would there be human bones, but there would be animal bones. And they didn't find any animal bones. There were non-human remains that they found? They found... They didn't find any animal remains. They found oh, miscellaneous saying, trinkets. Like, trinkets okay. Yes, they That's found trinkets. Meant. I thought you meant like animal remains, but nope. Okay, nope. There were no animal remains that were found. Non-biological uh, you know, remains. That <laughs> yes, yes. They were human-made, but they weren't 
made yes. from humans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the locals in the area uh, also deny that there was ever a trading route that would pass by the lake. So the, the trading route theory is kind of thrown out. Another theory was that the bones were those of Indian soldiers who were trekking through the mountains in an effort to invade Tibet in 1841. That expedition wasn't successful, and the soldiers were forced to return to their homes, but many of them died along the route. So there really was this military attempt at an invasion, but it didn't, it wasn't, it didn't actually go through because they hit bad weather and they had to turn around or they turned around and they hit bad weather, but a lot of them died. Um, so some believe that the skeletons may have been from this failed mission, but these bones seemed older than that. And there were no pieces of weapons found near so if it were a military expedition, you would expect that there would be weapons that every member of that party would have had. They would have had, whether it's a spear or an yeah. Right. Yeah. So weapons are going to be found. And yes, they did find a few spearheads, but they didn't find enough to say this was like a military group. So... Not enough weapons. Early inspections of the bones found that most of the skeletons were above average height, middle-aged adults. There were no babies. Some of them were elderly women, and at least one was a child approximately 10 years old. Of the all of the skeletons seemed to be of people in relatively good health. So... There weren't like any major things with the bones that they were like, oh, this person was, you know, disabled because of this condition in their bones. Um, everybody seemed to be relatively healthy bone wise. There was another suggestion that maybe this lake was used as a burial ground during a time of a medical epidemic. So the idea of an epidemic seemed less likely since the skeletons appeared to be from people that were in good health. So, you know, they're like, oh, maybe everybody was sick and they just threw all of the bodies here. But they're like, no, none of the skeletons came from sick people. Um, some of the bones showed signs of physical trauma, though. Many of the bones had holes in the head which made researchers consider an old native story as an explanation for the skeletons. There is a local legend that says that a king, his pregnant wife, their servants, and a dance, it was described as a dance troupe, um, but a big group of people, took a pilgrimage to the shrine of Nanda Devi, which is the second tallest mountain in India. This pilgrimage is said to have occurred in the ninth century, but ended with the group um, encountering a severe hailstorm, which killed everyone in the traveling party. That's the uh, local legend, the story that everyone passes around all the elders. There's 
songs written about it. There's stories that discuss it. Um, and this was, you know, a historical event for the locals. So it's part of their local culture. So it, it is lived on. Um, the legend says that goddess Nanda Devi, the goddess of the same named mountain, created a hailstorm as hard as iron to punish the king. They, I guess, didn't, Nanda Devi didn't like that he had this big group of people and traipsing through the mountains. And so the goddess set a hailstorm on him. Some researchers believed the holes in the skull of some of the skeletons could have been caused by the by heavy items falling from above, like severe hail. Now, I've been in some bad hailstorms, but nothing that I thought would kill me. So I can't imagine. I know Texas gets some crazy, like, baseball-sized hail coming down, so. Yeah, it have to be. It can get bad. I... Well, there's, like... If you live in Texas, I know they have to pay more for insurance because of hailstorms. Like, the, it's so yeah. severe down there that the entire car just gets dimpled. So there's some yeah. pretty severe hail. Like, if if it's enough to dent the roof of a car, it might be enough to kill someone. Yeah. I don't want to like, experience that kind of hail. Out. And if they knock yeah. out in the cold, then they might just die. I'm Yeah. Probably yeah, wouldn't that's shoot true. through them like a bullet, but it'd probably fuck them up. I like can't imagine. I can't imagine it causing a hole in the skull, though. The skull is very yeah. hard. It's dense. Yeah. But that is one of their theories. Yeah. Initial carbon dating that was done in the 1950s showed the bones likely dated back to around 850 AD. So for decades, it was believed oh, that the shit. hundreds of skeletons mm -hmm, like were from the 9th century. Years old. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's a lot of math for me to do. After I've had a cocktail, you can't ask me to do math after I've been it, drinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's... It's about that. It's a long time ago. So for decades, it was believed that the hundreds of skeletons were from the ninth century, and they all died from one major catastrophic event. Later testing from the 1960s, though, showed a different time frame, and it was believed the skeletons dated between the 12th and 15th centuries. Most recent studies were conducted by researchers from different countries, there are some interesting results that dispute the conclusion of one major event. So on this like five day hike into up to the lake and four hours of researching, um, the remains of 38 individuals um, were collected. They were analyzed genetically and with more advanced radiocarbon dating technology. It's very cold in that region, and some of the skeletons even had remnants of flesh attached. So not just bones, but most of them were just bones. Um, the results show that these skeletons were genetically diverse and not from the same geographic region. 
14 of the skeletons had genetics similar to modern day people from Greece, more specifically the island of Crete. 23 skeletons were genetically similar to people from South Asia, and one was specifically showing Southeast Asian ancestry. They were also separated by about a thousand years, meaning they didn't all die in one singular catastrophic event. The 14 people with South Asian genetics, carbon dated to 808, roughly 800 AD, and it appears those individuals came to the lake over an extended period of time, not all at once. So we can go back to the whole story about the king in around 850 AD and his dance troupe and his wife. Um, that time frame matches, but it was over a long period of time in roughly 800 AD. So that doesn't track either. The 23 individuals with Greek ancestry and the one individual with Southeast Asian ancestry all carbon date from 1800 AD and likely came to the event to the lake all in one event. So those people did seem to be there all at the same time. An interesting finding of the examination of the skulls was also discovered. Several of the skulls have extra bones in them that would only have been caused by a genetic anomaly, meaning these people related to each other to some degree. Yes, you look puzzled. I have an answer. I know exactly what's happening with this bone Mm. pile. Okay. Tell me. It's an alien dumping ground. The aliens scoop people up from over time and they're like, people don't go up this route too often. So we're just going to throw it in this lake. Yeah. That <laughs> is. They run out of their chest and then throw the body away. That is what some people think. That is what some, some people. Pe- that's a theory. <laughs> yep. Advances in technology have helped answer some questions, but there are still more and the mystery remains. Who exactly were these people? Why were they hiking these mountains and what caused their deaths? Based on the fact that the remains come from more than one era and more than one genetic group, it's obvious that there is not one simple answer to each of these questions. Getting the answers, though, might become more and more difficult with time because sightseers who visit the area, people crazy enough to hike for five days to go to a frozen lake, have been taking souvenirs with them. So they're removing the bones bones that they find. (laughs) They're popping them in their backpacks and they're taking them home with them. The same fuckers that are crazy enough to go up there are crazy enough to take human remains with them. So For real. Yep. Of course, the government is asking people to stop doing this because they want to preserve the skeletons. Um, But there hasn't been much enforcement to prevent it. They're just saying, hey, can you please not do this? But I couldn't really find that there were like any ramifications if you do do that. So, you know, who knows how many bones, how many people are actually up there. But one of the suggestions rich ass people taking that shit because no way you're allowed to fly delta with a fucking human remains in your suitcase 
They're gonna scan mm, that shit at TSA and pull point. you aside and have lots of questions for you. So good point. It's gotta that be is like a good rich point. assholes that can afford to get like a private private jet. Or jet. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe maybe they're they're hiking it. They're hiking up there. They're taking the five fucking days to hike up there. They're freezing their asses off because the weather's shitty. They grab a bone, then they hike back down, and then they mail it to themselves. It's also a possibility. Because, yeah. So one of the suggestions that I heard similar to, I was listening to another podcast, and they were like, hey, maybe it's an alien body dump. Um, but one of the um, suggestions that came out of the research part was that they – um, think that maybe there was like a group of Europeans, the Greek, because of the Greek ancestry, many of them were related. So it was like a large family that wanted to hike around, whether they were specifically going to the lake or not. Um, and they hired some local people to guide them. So it was like a guided hike. They hit bad weather and then a bunch of them died. And maybe that accounts for some, but it's not going to count for all of them. And you've got anywhere from 300 to 800 people, but they only were able to collect 38 specimens. So who knows? And you said there was thousands of, thousands of years between each like specimen, right? Yeah. Not like, yeah. Them, but like most, like there was groups of, about a thousand that were thousands of years older. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. They okay. had, they had yeah. one group of remains that dated back to around 800 AD. And they had another group that dated back to 1800 AD. So there's a good thousand years between just those two ends of the spectrum. But again, they only collected 38 specimens and there's, or was potentially eight hundred, maybe. Yeah. He's real hungry. Yeti, Yeti would be a good answer. He just finds a party every once in a while and eats them up and throws them, throws the bones in there. Like how? Yeah. When we eat chicken wings, we throw the bones away. It just he's got a fucking specific spot he likes to throw the bones away. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. I was picturing in my head, like in a bucket of KFC, where everybody's eating it and just chucking the bones into the bucket. Yeah, maybe it's the it's Yeti. The it's Yeti's bucket. the Yeti's Those are my answers. <laughs> Why not? For sure. It's super weird. It super is super weird. weird. I had heard that story, but I didn't know all those details. Like I, hadn't, I'd heard like a sixty-second snippet. Like there's a bunch of bodies in this lake, and no one knows why. And that's about it. But I didn't know all those. And details. now you know why. No one knows why. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> so weird. I think the weirdest thing to me, this is a joke, obviously. The weirdest thing to me is that anybody would hike five days to go to this yeah, fucking I lake. Mean, I mean, I understand, like, hiking, it's, like, a long time to get to the top of Everest. Um, but, like, I'm not doing people it. People do it. And I know. I understand that because you're on the top of the world, but, like, just going up. Yeah. They're basically taking a tour to see dead bodies. Like, it's yeah. weird. Would you hike five to days to a cemetery? No, no. I'm not doing that shit. In bad weather, no less? Uh-uh. 
I know nope. if, if it were a driving thing, I would definitely want to see it, but I'm not going to hike that oh. fucking long. Oh yeah. I will drive there. If there's a, if there's a, a place, if there's a way for me to get there, Ooh, maybe a helicopter. I'd take a helicopter ride there. I'm not hiking five days anywhere yeah. unless I'm dying. Yeah, me either. So anybody who digs that cool for you. That's not me. <laughs> not going to happen. Let's talk about Jeff Doucette. Jeff Doucette. So Jeff Doucette was born in Port Arthur, Texas in 1959. Not much is known about Jeff's early life. However, in his 20s, he moved to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Can there we ask Jeff about his early life? Sorry. No, he's dead. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I know. I'm uh, sorry. I know who this guy is. And it, ugh, yeah. I don't feel and bad. I think everyone, like, pause right now. Go look him up on YouTube. And you'll see the video that I'm about to mention later. But, mm, yeah. Because yeah, we'll get into it. So yeah. after he moved to Baton Rouge, he became a karate instructor. And a majority of his students were children. Because only weird adults take karate lessons. But... <laughs> Jeff lived... unless they've been in it for a long time yeah if you're 40 and you're just going to karate like for the first for time for the first just... time go to it's different instead. it's unusual like, karate. <laughs> but anyways after uh he moved there he became a karate instructor most of his students were children jeff lived in his karate studio and often spent all of his time there since he didn't have many close friends. So he'd get done with class and then just go to his little apartment in the back of the studio. Like, Okay. That's convenient. Yeah. That's convenient. It's nice. You work, work where you live. Short commute. It's also weird Short. having other people come into your home and take karate lessons. But whatever. Whatever works for him. True. So in 1983, he became focused on one particular student named Jody. And I've looked this up, but I'm going to fuck it up anyways because I feel like it's wrong. But Plowshay, Jody Plowshay. I think that look based on what I was looking up then. Yeah. With a little hyphen. Yeah. Yeah. Plowshay. I think that sounds right. Yeah. So Jody was a when he started studying karate under Jeff. Jeff often invited a lot of his students out to like movies and team lunches and stuff. So right. it wasn't weird. Like he's kind of like a mentor to these kids somewhat. Right. So it's like, let's all do a group movie thing. And right. Community building and the movie. Yeah. Right. Community building and making it cohesive. Yeah. I get that. So Jody, but I'm not defending him. Yeah, just we'll get. It starts off nice, but it doesn't end nice. Yes, no. Jody enjoyed spending time with Jeff, and since Jody was spending so much time with Jeff, 
Jody's father, Gary Plowshay, invited Jeff over for dinner one night, just a family dinner. And they did this a couple times. So they, since if your kid's spending all this time with this one guy, you might as well get to know him. So, oh, yeah. Make sure yeah, he's I get it. an okay guy. And Gary thought he was fine at first and thought he was a good guy and allowed his son to keep spending time with him outside of karate practice. So, like, going to movies and lunches and just hanging out, like, doing homework at the dojo or whatever you call it. Right? Dojo? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, what Gary didn't know was that Jeff was sexually abusing Jody this whole time. <sighs> yeah. And I hate March this guy so much. <laughs> In March 1983, Jeff began assaulting Jody and even sleeping with him during karate trips. So they'd go on like <gasps> they'd have karate tournaments where he'd bring all the kids to hotel rooms and he would end up sleeping in the bed with Jody. Ugh. Hate this yeah. guy. Jeff escalated to rape and would often do so almost every day. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh. On February 19, 1984, Jeff, who at the time was about to go to trial for passing bad checks, so he was passing checks that weren't real and he had he was getting wrapped up for fraud. And since he knew he was about to go to jail, he kidnapped Jody. Oh my. Oh. He asked Yeah. He asked Jody okay. to help him run an errand. And the errand turned out to be an abduction. And Jeff took Jody from Louisiana to a, ho a hotel in Anaheim, California. Oh, my God. All Do you know the if they flew? The or no, did they, they drive? Drove. Oh, they drove. God. That was a long-ass drive. Jody would, uh, when they stopped at checkpoints, Jeff would say Jody was his son. Of course he did. Shit. Yeah, because as... As soon as Jody, like, was, his parents obviously knew he was 11. Like, they're, they're going right. to know where he's supposed to be. So when they get right. home and they don't see him there, they put an APB out for him. Mm -hmm. So when he would stop at police checkpoints and stuff like that, he'd just say it was his son. And it was back in the 80s, so there wasn't, like, as much communication between right police officers as there is now, but. Right. Plus, uh, there was no Jeff Amber Alert back then or anything. Yeah. So do Jeff you know? Can I inter interrupt? Um, do you know if his family knew that they were together so that they could say uh, Jeff took Jody or we suspect that Jody is with Jeff, but we don't know where they are? Or were so they just like Jody, Jody didn't Jody allowed, isn't home. Jody was allowed to call his mother. But okay. I don't know what that entailed. He probably said I'm with Jeff, but he was allowed okay. to call his mother a couple times, which ultimately led to uh the FBI finding him. Because oh, Jody good. had tipped off tipped off where they were and the FBI found like where they were at. And Okay. The on February 29th, Jeff was arrested by the FBI at the hotel in Anaheim, California. Jody was okay. with Jeff and was promptly sent back home. So it wasn't like she was dead or, any, or he was dead or anything. But 
Jeff okay, was good. questioned by the FBI, and on March 16th, he was extradited back to Louisiana. Jeff landed in Baton Rouge uh, Metropolitan Airport and was met by Louisiana police and a sea of reporters. Because, like, I'm sure there's not a lot of shit going on in Baton Rouge like that, so. Plus, I mean, it's huge news. Yeah. Yeah. It's a missing kid, Um, and he's found, and... Okay. So... After leaving the plane, a few police officers escorted Jeff, but as they were walking out of the airport, a man who was uh, talking on the payphone, like right where Jeff was walking by. So Jeff was being escorted by one one FBI guy, and then there was a bunch of cops like in the area around just making sure everything was fine. So they mm-hmm. walked by the payphones, and uh, Gary, the Jody's dad, was talking on the payphones wearing a hat, turned around, pulled out a gun, and shot Jeff right in the face while he was walking by. And this was all recorded by the sea of reporters. So there's lots of videos of it online. And I 100% understand that, Father. Yeah. Yeah. And 100%. You'll see it, it works out great for him. So. Oh, good. Keep in mind. Jeff was being escorted by a police officer, so Gary was immediately arrested. Like, there was no—he didn't really fight it either. He just, like, as soon as he shot him, he dropped the gun and just, like, got arrested. Like, it was pretty quick. But you can hear one of the officers saying, why, Gary, why? Like, when he was arresting him, it—yeah, I don't know. It was kind of sad, but— My heart breaks. Yeah. I mean— Everyone can understand where Gary was coming from, but uh, yeah. it's also sad that he might, like, there's a lot of shit going yeah. on at this point in time. I mean, so. he did kill a guy. Okay, the guy was a piece of shit, but he did kill someone in front of police officers so, and media. Yeah, right in front of police. He can't even in deny it wasn't him. In an airport. Before 9-11, yeah. so you could still have guns in the airport, but that... Yes! Yeah. Oh, yes. I hadn't even thought yeah. about that part. Good point. Good point. Yeah. So Gary was immediately arrested and charged with second-degree murder. Jeff never made it to trial because he died hours after the shooting, obviously, because he got shot in the fucking face. So... Okay. Uh, Plouchet was initially charged with second-degree murder, but agreed to a plea bargain, which uh, he pled no contest to manslaughter. <laughs> manslaughter for shooting someone in the face. That's that's pretty good. He was well, sentenced to seven years suspended sentence with five years probation and 300 hours of community service, which he completed about six years after the shooting. Really? So, yeah, I don't think he ever went suspended to jail. sentence. <laughs> yeah. <gasps> yeah. I love the, the judge. judge was like, yeah, the judge. I was love like, the judge. I see you. I see you, Dad. You, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. Seven years suspended. Yeah, which just means he's basically like house arrest, right? Or not necessarily. Do... No. Or just like if he fucks up. Then he has I think to go it's to jail. basically yeah, 
like parole probably okay. like you get to go about your daily life and do your shit and wow so the judge had ruled that there was virtually no chance of him ever committing a crime again because he had a completely clean history and the judge was right. like he pled um not insanity but uh it, just like emotional diminished capacity something like that yeah okay. and like basically he's like I would never do that if it wasn't the circumstances. And the judge kind of agreed with him. And yeah, uh, it, it's just such a good ending to the story. Like, obviously, ki killing someone isn't good, but no, the but judge was able under those circumstances, see, like, yeah, the judge was able to understand where he was coming from. So he ended up, everyone can agree, like, no one cares if a pedo dies. Like, I don't. It just, it works out great. Wow. The pedo died. He didn't have to spend 12 years in prison and get back out and do it again. So right. I think ultimately has... it was a good situation. No subsequent victims. So. Yeah. Other than wow. Jody. Jody was the only victim. Well, yes. Well, I'm not saying Jody wasn't a victim. I'm saying he didn't have any more victims after Jody. Yeah. True. So. It worked out in the end, which is nice. Wow. I am really, I didn't know what the sentencing was of the dad, but I'm really glad that it turned out the way it did. I mean, it definitely could have been a lot worse. Um, yeah. And I feel like sentence. everyone that's interested wow. in our podcast has probably seen the video. If you like true crime and stuff, it's like a very yeah. common video to come across. Like I've yeah, seen if you haven't seen the video, definitely the go look at the video. It is, it's... Yeah, it's wild. Because it was right in front of a news reporter that was actively filming. And mm -hmm. so there's lots yeah. of recordings of it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Do you have a chaser Jeez, for us today? Yes, so my chaser is, I don't know what the brand is called, but I saw it on Instagram, and it's it's a beer pong pool table, if that makes any sense. So it's shaped like a ping pong table, but it's a felt pool table, and it has, so you know how you put beer pong up in a triangle? Yeah. It has pockets where the triangle is for the beer pong. So you shoot your pool ball, you sink it into the pocket, and then they put their cup in it and have to drink the cup. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah, super cool looking. I wish I knew what the company was because I want it. But it's on Instagram called the king of cues with underscores in between each word. I don't know if that's the okay. people who make it or they just... It's like a fun game. Or highlighting own, it. Yeah, I don't Interesting. know. Interesting. That is oh, definitely wait. something to it, look into. Yeah. It looks like it might be from a company called Beer Yard. Beer Yards. Beer Yard. But I don't know. I haven't looked into it too much. I just saw a video on Instagram and I was like, that is super cool. That is cool. And it mixes like pool with beer pong and it's kind yeah. of, I don't know. It looks really fun to play. 
was your well, you know, we love games. My my chaser is a uh, watch recommendation. Um, I have not finished this as of the day that we are recording the show. I haven't finished this show. It's called School Spirits on Netflix, and uh, it's about. A girl who, it starts off with this girl being at a school pep rally and they're talking about how she's missing and they're going to do a search for her, but it turns out, not a big spoiler, she's not alive and she doesn't remember how she died, Um, but she's trapped in the school because she died there. It's a, she's a ghost. And so she's stuck in the school trying to figure out how she died. So it's like a murder mystery meets young adult um, teen drama. So uh, we've watched a couple episodes so far and it's really engaging and it's kind of interesting and brings up topics like for discussion, like if you were trapped somewhere, what's the worst place you could be trapped? And I'm thinking school would be a pretty shitty place to be trapped for the rest of your eternity, but I'm sure there are worse places to be trapped. I think I'd have fun in a school. I think the worst place for me to be trapped would be uh, probably underwater, like in that submarine, the Titan or whatever. Yeah, that's true. That's, That's not true. a fun time, I feel. I asked your dad, and he said that he thinks the worst place to be trapped for eternity would be in the middle of the desert because you would have no, would like, you couldn't forever. interact with, you couldn't interact with anyone because there would never be anyone there. At least, like, in a school, yeah. you'd have, you could watch the living people do shit, but if you're in the desert, you're just wandering around with nothing. I think you could have a lot of fun as a ghost in a school, like a junior high. Probably. <laughs> like that would, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be really fun. Just fuck with kids all the time. Just make yeah. them scared. <laughs> yeah. Someone's taking a shit in the school bathroom. You just turn all the lights off and like slam all the doors. <sighs> That'd be scary. <laughs> all right. Well, that's just about wraps us up. It does. Love you, bud. Love you, too. Bye. Bye. Sorry, I gotta fucking... Hey, friends. Thank you for supporting our podcast. Please share our show with your brutal and bizarre friends. Give us a boozy follow on your favorite podcast platform. If you're feeling extra generous, we'd appreciate a five-star rating or review as well. But maybe do that sober so all the letters are in the right place. You can find all our contact information in the show notes. We love hearing from you, and if you're interested in helping us stock the bar for our future boozy episodes, you can find our Patreon link in the show notes as well.